We acknowledge and respect the first humans of the unceded land we call San Francisco, the Ramaytoshaloni. We condemn the genocide of these and other tribes across the Western Hemisphere. We honor their legacy and history, and we support rematriation and sovereignty efforts. Hello and welcome to Storied San Francisco, a podcast all about the people and places that make this city unique. I'm Jeff Hunt, and I'll be your host. We're really excited about this one. I lived on 20th Street in the Mission for 14 years, up until 2017. One of my favorite things about that part of the hood was the Pirate Supply Store at 826 Valencia. Because of its storefront location, I was unaware of the workshops and classrooms situated behind the store, and that 826 was actually a nonprofit. In this episode, we meet 826 Valencia Director of Volunteer Engagement, Kavita Loten, and Pirate Supply Store Manager, Byron Weiss. In part one, Kavita and Byron will tell their respective stories of growing up, moving to San Francisco, and finding 826 Valencia. We'll talk about the gentrification specific to the mission the last 15 years or so. And we'll end this episode with some background on what 826 Valencia is all about. Here's my chat with Kavita and Byron. I'm trying to decide if I start now and move backwards or start from the, be- you know, from the beginning. But I'll go back to pre-San Francisco. Um, I was born in England but raised mostly in Canada and um, became a school teacher. I graduated with a Bachelor of Education, living in Vancouver, BC. Oh, I've never been. And yes, a beautiful place. Oh, it's top of my list. And it's a different education system than the one we have here in the United States and particularly in SF. So um, in Vancouver, it was hard to get jobs Mm. after getting that degree. You had to really work your way as being a substitute first. And then Mm. I really, really wanted my own classroom. But being um, British, having been born there, I was able to easily move to London and start working in my own classroom. Okay. So I was what level of kindergarten teacher? Okay. Yeah, I was just reflecting on that because it was about eleven years ago where. Um, I taught my last class and officially was like Miss Premaraja when I was, before I was married, Mm -hmm. that was my name. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, my husband, then we did get married and we were ready to relocate for his role uh, working in tech. So Mm -hmm. the classic moved to San Francisco, immigrated here, both of us being Canadian, it was a whole new journey Mm -hmm. to move to America. Did you visit San Francisco first? Great question. I had been as a child. We had done like a road trip coming down to do Disneyland as a kid from Vancouver. Right. Uh, We did do a pre-visit knowing this was probably the move. Mm -hmm. About six months prior, we just came and checked it out and he was already working um, at Twitter actually at the time. So. And this was roughly 12-ish years ago? 2012, yeah. 2012, okay. Yeah, 2011 we decided, 2012 we moved. Okay. Got to the U.S. I actually wasn't allowed to work yet. Didn't have a work visa. Was really wanting to understand the school system here, mm-hmm. and I had already heard it's a challenging place. Um, Specifically, San Francisco, or just broadly the United States. Broadly, United just States was all I knew. Two things. Two very huge things, and they yeah. operate in such strange ways. In every yeah. city and every yeah. state, can do something 
different. Mm -hmm. So with SF, I think I understood that there was even more complications around like applying to go to school. Mm -hmm. It wasn't as easy as going to your neighborhood school. Right. Anyways, we weren't even parents yet at this point. Right. I wanted to learn about what the classrooms are like and what are teachers up against because mm -hmm. I was hearing that it's a challenge to keep teachers in the district. So in the meantime, I'm just enjoying my free time not working, getting a tour of the mission from my friend Lowell. Shout out to Lowell. Thanks, Lowell. You lived in the mission or? Lowell did. Okay. And so he was giving me a little walking tour of, of his city. He'd lived here several years prior to okay. us moving here, but he's also Canadian. Mm -hmm. And he was just pointed to this pirate store and said they do stuff with kids in there. That's that's Yeah. That's all Are I got. Are you sure this wasn't me? That <laughs> <laughs> sounds like, like my level of knowledge. A pirate store. <laughs> so I immediately went home and researched it on Google and thought, wow, a writing program? Like that's something that I struggled with as a teacher to really focus on writing, especially with kindergartners, especially when they're only four years old in England and they're like asked to start reading and writing. By Isn't that like, like learning to write the alphabet? They wanted like, the writing sentences from, at the sentences. end of yeah. If, oh, that's a whole that's a school system that's like very rigorous and yeah. like and monitored a lot differently than the the SF school system is. Okay. But. So I started volunteering, and mm -hmm. so 2012 I became an 826 Valencia volunteer. I came every week. I volunteered in a program called Storytelling and Bookmaking, mm. and um, I'm sure later we'll talk more about that. There's, there's more sure. to that journey now in the last yeah. 10 years, but it feels special that 10 years has gone by. So that was, so it was 10 years ago that you did this, that you started yeah, this you volunteer? Started volunteering. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. What happened to your accent? <laughs> or did you ever have one? I had a wee English accent. Like a Queen's English kind of accent? Yeah, it comes and goes only if I'm yeah. in England. But no, I really have to have drunk. a Canadian accent. <laughs> Is the Vancouver, is that the Abut? No. It's more the Eastern that's like Abut. Well, no? We have our, we have, yeah, we have different, the A comes out. Do you notice oh. anything, Byron? I don't ever notice. Do you notice anything? I forget. I say washroom sometimes. Mm. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. I think I acclimatized pretty quickly 10 years in, in the Bay. I'm, That'll do it. Yeah. I blended in. Yeah. And last question uh, specifically about Canada. Are we wrong to romanticize Canada? Here in these, especially in like the Bay Area, I feel like there's a lot of us are like. No, I don't think you're wrong to romanticize it. I think I haven't lived there in the last seventeen mm. years mm -hmm. to know some of the challenges folks are going through. Maybe mm -hmm. like economically mm -hmm. and politically, I think there can be this way towards some of the challenges we see in the U.S. Mm -hmm. However, overall, um, access to healthcare, access to education. Um, just a general understanding of like people first, I feel is more prominent there by government, how the government works. But yeah. No, it's not perfect. You will have things right. to deal with if you were to move there. So Right. No. And I mean, this sounds cynical, but I mean it kind of half seriously that, like I said, I've never been to Vancouver, but I always think about things like climate change and I'm like, well, Vancouver could be tropical. And that sounds kind of cool. <laughs> it is like a like, rainforest. Yes, I get to be like guacamole and a pina colada in No, I'm kidding. But um, <laughs> I had to ask an actual Canadian that question. It's been on my mind for a while. Yeah. Things like the truck on Envoy. I'm like, oh, they mm -hmm. have that too. And then it's, it's uh, is it, am I wrong that it's larger than the United States? It's a very big 
Yeah, geographically, place. I think we're the we're the second biggest. There's Russia and then us. Yeah, and then also like still kind of part of the Commonwealth. So like, there's all the baggage that comes along with that and the First Nations and yeah. So anyway, well, you take the good with the bad. And yeah, we should do a whole separate <laughs> podcast on about Canada. Hollywood Canada. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it should be called. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so you, we've arrived in your story. We've arrived at 826. So I think let's mm. throw it to you, Byron. Okay. Um, I'm a California kid. I was born in the L.A. area. Um, I would spent about half of it, a majority of it, in the Burbank, which is in the Valley, technically. People yeah. from L.A. would be mad if I said I'm from L.A. <laughs> and where a lot of game shows are. Yeah, it's the media center of the world. My friends will cringe if they ever listen to this podcast (laughs) because I say that all the time. Um, Many, yeah, I live down the street from uh, Jay Leno's garage manager. Okay. You, if you live in Burbank, you see Jay Leno. And Jay Leno and his garage is really. He has a bunch of cars. Integral to to his whole being. It's a whole thing. Anyway, when I was applying for colleges, um, most of my choices were east coast but i chose sf state as a backup and i came up here with a couple friends it was one of my first trips just like me and some friends not no parents Mm -hmm. Um, road trip uh we plane took a plane up here okay um and we i just fell in love with the city honestly i like couldn't get enough of it and it wasn't even like we stayed out by uh with that like dog statue by the zoo (laughs) outer sunset way outer sunset some like motel out there like it wasn't like we were doing SF like in the coolest way right. but I just like I don't know I couldn't escape it um, actually Doggy Diner I heads. think you were that's cred Doggy Diner ocean. heads yeah um, yeah and I think like I mean it's funny because I complain about the Muni all the time now but like right. just like public transit wasn't a thing I had experienced in LA mm-hmm. um, and just like the vibe I just like mm-hmm. people were friendly and like out in the street which is also not true in LA as much like um, or at least when I was growing up there. Yeah. Um, I can speak from experience of yeah. two weeks ago. It's still the case. Yeah. Like people are out cause the weather is always fucking awesome. But it's, not like, but it's car culture. Yeah. Car culture for, for sure. real. And I've yeah. always been pretty anti-car yeah. culture. Um, and when was that initial when, visit? That first oh, visit? Oh, uh, 2007, I guess. 2006. Cause I moved up here in 2007. So okay. the short... The, the end of that story is that I loved SF and I was like, and SF, I studied creative writing, uh, SF State has a good creative writing program. Yeah. Um, it's and a so, great school. Too, yeah. Just it's a general. great school. Um, I had a really good time there. Uh, so yeah, I moved up here to go to there and, mm-hmm. and that's, I've been here ever since. So okay. that was whatever, 15 years ago or something. I can't do math. That's okay. Um, af- aforementioned writing degree. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I moved up here. I just never really left. I, I loved uh, living here. I literally like my school. Um, I'm very fortunate to have like a really close, tight-knit group of like a dozen or so friends that all haven't left. So we're all still here and like got a really big community, got a lot of roots here. Um, and specifically have been in and out of the mission my whole time. I did, you know, I'm, I'm a young person. I did the whole like, oh, you got to stay in this place with five people. And then like mm-hmm. I lived like in a makeshift closet for a while, mm-hmm. shared it actually. Like it's been um, a significant part of your life on Craigslist. Yes, a, a good amount. For varying reasons, like apartment purposes. hunting, yeah, free oh, totally. furniture, you know, all kind of stuff. Misconnections is a great read on and <laughs> 100 <laughs> yeah. and 50,000%. Yeah. yeah. I, I used to joke like um if you spend enough time now anywhere because everywhere has Craigslist, but like in a place like San Francisco, you start off 
and yeah, and then and then you slowly like spend less and less time mm-hmm. if things if things go well. <laughs> sure, <laughs> I, mean, I didn't want to judge it, but like, yeah, you just find yourself on Craigslist mm-hmm. less and less and less. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, no, I I'll still take Craigslist over next. True. I'll take it over next door. Anyway. Yeah, I'll take Craigslist over a lot of things. Yeah, um, I appreciate the like. They're not trying to hide anything. It's just it feels like I know and what I'm getting. It still looks like I moved here in 2000. <laughs> yeah, I think it started you know several years before that. Yeah, it still looks exactly it does. the same. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I love that, I love that too. Um, yeah. So I what did I? So you bounced around. Bounced around. Roommate situation, um, but stayed always stayed kind of near the mission. Um, and then how I got here specifically, it was about 10 years ago as well. I was, I've been on staff for 10 years. I yes. officially, as of January, 2023, yeah, it's, awesome. it's really insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of that has been in the stores too, which is also kind of unique. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I, I was working at the gap to pay rent. Um, which one? Uh, the one downtown corporate. that's not there anymore. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the flagship. Uh, the house on the yeah, turnaround. Yeah, it's huge. I worked in kids, baby, and maternity, and oh. um, <laughs> I, I did so many things there. Uh, <laughs> I did visuals. I did backstory. Oh. I don't know. It's too much stuff. Um, yeah. And I kind of hated it. I'm yeah. Not, I'm very like not a corporate kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I learned a lot about retail. And then my friend was interning here, and uh, like for programs, he was like tutoring or whatever and uh he was like hey they're hiring for the pirate store and at this point i hadn't heard anything about it so i was like i'll go i'll go check it out and i put in my resume and i just like met the manager olivia at the time oh yeah um and uh yeah she i was just like a really good fit i had i had the writing interest i'm really good with kids i love working with kids um and i had the retail experience which is something that is hard mm-hmm. to find for yep. this kind of uh this industry mm-hmm. i think niche um, yes so i and i'm also I, I fenced competitively growing up so i had like oh, the sure. swashbuckler i had the yeah. beard i just like it was a really good fit everything kind of fit um you and, yeah. might be the first is it fencer fencer a foilist on the podcast oh there you go i could i could do a whole, plus episodes that's well, I could do a whole episode on fencing too if you want, <laughs> um, but yeah. So that's what uh, that's. I just found my home here. Really. So you came in um, as like a full time employee, part time employee, or part time. Yeah, I was part time in the store. Okay, yeah. whereas you came in volunteer. volunteer. I would say most people up until recently, probably like most people came through volunteering. I yeah. would say like I'm a pretty rare case in that mm. I came not from volunteering and also through the store, which is like not how most people find us I yeah because you found out through an intern so that's yes. like kind of the way. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But, it, but it is literally how the public comes in yes that is what I tell Correct. my team that's our, my team's job <laughs> you, you nailed it yeah yeah, yeah. so awesome um, yeah I, I really yeah and I've been here been here since 10 years and now I live down the street in the mission yeah oh lucky dog yeah, I had a pandemic come up. I think I don't know if like the prices went down a little I bit. Heard about these, my <laughs> wife and I, we just like jumped on it and nice. found a good a two bedroom. I yeah. never thought I'd own it. I never thought I'd rent a two bedroom on my own. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, having been here, and again, this is something that's probably not unique to San Francisco, but I feel like maybe was more pronounced here, and especially in this neighborhood. That like when you arrived in San Francisco, shortly after that is when a pretty major transformation happened. Yeah. And it happened yes. hardcore in this neighborhood. Yeah. So you've seen yeah, I've, I've that felt it. And yeah. felt it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm still I've been around long enough to remember Valencia Street with two lanes mm-hmm. and, a, and a bus running down it. Um mm-hmm. I was I was vegan back then and my friend and I would come the in twenty six. Yeah. And we'd come oh, in yeah, yeah twenty six, yeah. And we'd yeah. come in and we'd go to Herbivore, which was down mm-hmm. down the oh, street. This predates my time. This is a long time ago, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, so 
I, I, I was here for like, I feel like the start of a big boon. I've talked to people too, who said like, actually that's like the second way has happened multiple times. I don't know. Right. But for me, I don't think it keeps track a lot of different. how yeah. many, a it's just like, it. how many have you experienced yeah. or yeah. witnessed or exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, so that's, that's how I found my space in the city and my place here. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know exactly which one of you or both of you to throw this question to, but let's pretend for a second like listeners have no freaking clue what mm-hmm. 826 Valencia even is. Mm-hmm. Um, and the pirate store, pirate supply store, excuse me, can be part of that, but like origins mm-hmm. and, and things like that. So yeah, I'll just throw that. Yeah. I mean, for me coming in directly to start volunteering was all around the youth. So I had stuck to their mission of supporting under-resourced youth with writing and writing skills and gaining confidence in their in their skills as writers um, and working with directly with youth both at our centers and in school. So that drew me to why I wanted to become a volunteer. Okay. Then I had to learn from the community, why is there a pirate store? And back then it was a little sort of like everyone had their own version of the story, which was really fun to hear. Doesn't that make it lore? Yeah, it's total lore. I think now love that. (laughs) Yeah, it should be. So I mean, I heard Byron might have to correct me because I just heard like our founders, Dave Eggers and Inve Caligari, who knew they wanted to found a nonprofit to support writing. Like that was clear. Mm -hmm. Inve worked in education, knew that teachers were really not given enough resources to really push writing forward because already there's so many other critical things to be covering in the classroom especially creative writing there's no time for it I totally resonated with that as a teacher who was like you have to teach all your kids phonics but Mm -hmm. they're not going to get time to just like write their own story or create their own magical adventure Mm -hmm. so um, I had heard that they had to they had a space here already to do some sort of publishing. McSweeney's. Okay. Uh, Dave's okay. publishing company, McSweeney's, which they're still across the street. And right. they get their mail. If you hear this, McSweeney's, please get your mail to your address. <laughs> 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 Public service announcement. <laughs> Story in San Francisco. <laughs> so yeah, 2002, McSweeney's is chugging along in mm-hmm. here. And Dave and Anna Bay are like, we have this community of like writers and folks that have some time they could give to these communities of students that live right here in the mission. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have to be zoned for retail if you wanted to start a nonprofit or anything in this space had to be have a retail element. That's the okay. way it's zoned. Right. So um, I'll pass it to Byron for. Yeah, I mean that's that's the that's the bare bones. It's it's uh, zoned for retail. So we what I've heard is Dave was like, oh, it's kind of wooden in here. Like no one's selling the pirates. I guess we will. I think oh. like. <laughs> If you ask Dave on a different day, he'll probably give you a different answer every day. Um, But that's kind of the gist is it was like something funny and and that would get your kind of like brain moving in in creative ways. Creative. Yeah. And then um, when I talk to my team about it and and we talk about how to engage it, it's like, uh, you know, it's kind of like an onion, right? Like you like come in a good onion, I guess, like a cool, sweet tasting onion (laughs) or something. (laughs) Like you come in and it's like, wow, this really weird store. Like, why is this here? And then you're like... You kind of like peel back like oh there's like a writing program in the back oh it's like a free for everyone who comes oh they publish the students work in these books like so it, it's just you find out more as you stay in longer mm-hmm. um, and and by the time I feel like people are volunteers like Kavitha was they're like like the pirate store is kind of like almost in the back of their brain because all the other stuff mm. is so much more magical yeah. honestly as, as much as I dedicate my life to the pirate store and my team does like 
the right. magic is what the students are doing and what the tutors are doing with the students. Um, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, and the students get to come in through this portal that's completely different from being in a school building or in their mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. There's always something different to look at. Mm-hmm. But you walk through the pirate store and you enter your own special writing lab. And I think that became a second home for me. Mm-hmm. I was here in the city with an awesome group of friends who also had moved to SF to work in tech. But I felt very disconnected from that world. <laughs> And wasn't finding anyone else that connected with me as an educator or someone who supported nonprofit work. But that's where this community became like a, a magnet for me. Your people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. It, that's why I'm still here. I mean, it's been interesting trajectory given that I then couldn't work. I didn't have a work visa, so volunteering was the only option. <laughs> then I had my first child, so I was able to spend precious time at home with him, but I still started coming back to two six and tutoring once he was kind of old enough to hang with a babysitter for a few hours. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a constant for me, um, becoming a mother and like keeping that pulse on what are students in SF doing? Right. And so in that time I got to volunteer as a parent and then started learning more about the school district. Now I have a child. I'm like, I have to understand this more and more. Right. Um, but yeah, that constant of being connected to a community outside of that tech bubble was really mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. And then I started tutoring students who talked, because you all were just discussing the gentrification of Mission and Valencia Especially Street. Yeah, yeah. And I guess I moved here in that way for sure. Correct. It was already well underway. Yes. Yes. Um, I didn't see the before as much as what mm-hmm. you described. Yeah. I think, I think one benchmark is, like you, you were talking about Valencia being two lanes, the widening of the sidewalks, mm-hmm. which in every other like aspect of my life, I'm like, yes, that's yeah. amazing. It's, it's going to be... Something happened with mm-hmm. that. And getting rid of the bus. Anyway, <laughs> I yeah, I had no idea, actually, until you mentioned that. A lot of stuff. Um, no bike lane back then, either. Correct. So trying to balance like being a gentrifier myself like we moved here being part of that huge wave mm-hmm. and trying to understand what actual san franciscans families that are living here being challenged by all this how they were feeling it would just naturally come up as a topic to write about oh. so our students would write about gentrification pretty often amazing and that's what i love about the volunteer role is like you're breaking down these barriers that just happen to exist in the way we move about society here Mm -hmm. in SF because that bubble that I'm in and most of my husband's colleagues are in it's like you move from your work to your home to where you're going out for dinner and you're not like really meeting people in between you're Mm -hmm. just meeting the folks that are like-minded and from similar backgrounds. It's like a moving bubble. Yes. Right it moves Uber. Like it's just right, right. it it was it still is a challenge for me but it's been so great to have um public school community now so fast forward to now parent of two kids in public school and that's where my passion is for why we do this work at 826 because we're supporting um, all these families and all these kids with getting their voices out into the world and publishing them amazing they talk all about san francisco Mm -hmm. and can't wait for you to hear some of their podcasts too yeah Mm -hmm. that'll happen stay tuned (laughs) um no and if i may editorialize Yes, to everything you're saying, but you specifically found a way to get back. Found a way to engage in yeah, a positive way. And I feel like that's all anyone would ask. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Change is inevitable. 
I don't know if gentrification is inevitable. I won't say that, but like change is inevitable. Yes. And especially a town like this, mm-hmm. people are always going to like, no matter mm-hmm. what the economy is, people, it's just fucking beautiful and amazing in so many ways. So people will always be coming here. Yeah. It's what you do with it. And I feel like you did something super awesome. Oh, thank you. So, well, and I think like you said, like clean sidewalks, walking space, bike lanes aren't trees are, are things that we really, as humans, I think most of us want around. It's like, but who gets to stay in it and benefit from that? Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I do feel like that's why I stay at 826. I think we've grown a lot. We have two new centers since mm-hmm. both of us started. Um, and... Like we do a lot of work and we've really like, we still are very creative, but we're very like academic focused too now Mm -hmm. compared to when I started. Mm -hmm. Um, But we still like through and through have always really centered um, students of color, students of lower income backgrounds, like, and, and, and really it's like, we're never even talking about paying like any programs being paid for. Everything we do is free for anyone who can access it. And all of our outreach for students is, is those populations I mentioned. So like, Mm -hmm. And they're here, like in working in the store, we, I get questions from time to time from people being like, oh, but like, who are you, who, they're not even here to serve anymore. Like gentrification got them a lot. It's like, no, they're still here. Mm -hmm. Um, Just, they're not given a lot of opportunity to speak up. So that's, yeah, that's, I think. Yeah. People don't open their eyes to what's right next door and who lives next door. And I think we give that opportunity. So fast forward to now in between. Yeah. Having my kids, I part-time did get hired to work teaching some of the workshops as a programs coordinator, the storytelling bookmaking workshop. That was super fun. Um, And then after my second child was born, I was ready for full-time work again, and we had expanded, like two centers. We need the volunteers to give individualized support to students, to build those connections, have those conversations, and get them really thinking about something they're going to put into writing and get published. So um, I became the volunteer, sorry, the intern manager actually first, but uh, that led to now being the volunteer engagement team lead and and director. And I get to just support all the adults in understanding how to be awesome tutors. And really that's just being a connector, being someone that encourages the student you're with. They don't have to be prolific writers. I think that's a misconception people have. I was going to ask, you know, do they need to be educators or creators? Like, what do you look for in a volunteer? Not Anybody? at all. Just, just interest? time and care for your community. Yeah. And yeah. then, yeah, being able to have a conversation with a young person and get them going with their ideas and help them with the process. And then our staff, 826 staff, are phenomenal. They're the ones who are doing the whole lesson plan, guiding um, all the volunteers and the students together collectively through a project. Okay. Um, to get that outcome of yes, you will be published this year. Like, which piece are you going to choose to put in the publication? Amazing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. our um, our our pedagogy, our our like a, a lot of our philosophy is really around just getting like as close to one to one support as we can. Like relationship building is yeah. what um, I think we find the most success. Like when the student trusts that tutor, wants to work with that tutor, it doesn't matter what they're working on. Like we also have after school homework help, so like. And all of us staff, or most of us are writers, so like we definitely need math people for that, <laughs> for example. Right. So if you like math and you want to volunteer. Um, but I think mostly it's just like, do you enjoy being with kids? And like, can you 
donate a couple hours a week. That's the deeply really in this work. Yeah. Yeah. That's really all you need. I, it sounds hokey, maybe, or cringy, but it's true, I think. It's like there's no. not really any requirements beyond that. I don't um, think so. That. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think people don't realize that there's a bigger aspect to the community they're in, and that's mm-hmm. where, like, you just see people, like, open their eyes wider to, mm-hmm. yeah, we're not yeah. just in this place in the mission. All these students are going to schools across the city. They're living in different places. They've come from different backgrounds. Some are multi-generational San Francisco born and raised families. Mm-hmm. And many are new immigrants that had right. to come more recently or their parents immigrated. But yeah, it's there's just so many um, ice-breaking moments that yeah. uh, people have together. And I think it's a unique space to be able to do that. And awesome. build, yeah, and build relationships. Before I forget, one other thing I want to talk touch on, um, there's that trope about San Francisco that, what is it, like there's more dogs than there are mm-hmm. children here. Mm-hmm. And while that might be technically true, I don't really care, but like that sort of forgets the kids who are here. Mm-hmm. Yes. And absolutely. I think y'all are a great example of like, oh, and then there's the other, perhaps correct conception that our public schools are not very good yeah they're not like um they're not funded i would say they're not funded funded. they're not prioritized and then if if this is where i don't understand how to vote here in the u.s (laughs) or san francisco um, because the props uh, aren't something we did in canada you're not voting on what the Mm -hmm. they're like the politician you voted for has to make those decisions so you really think hard about the platform of mm-hmm. that person and of that party. But here, mm-hmm. there's a lot more given to the individual people of mm-hmm. the city to decide. And you have to study for it. Right. And which is not an accessible form for a lot of folks who are just learning English or are convinced, you know, by hearsay. But anyways, mm-hmm. that aside, there's the fact that we fund schools that way yeah. blows mm-hmm. my mind. Because it's just like an allocation in the other countries I lived in. Yeah. And here it's like, are we going to get the money or not? Yeah. So public schools aren't given a fair shot. Teachers aren't paid enough. 100%. They are good schools. I think that's the part mm-hmm. that is a misconception that mm-hmm. people have. It's more than just lol, y'all. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. system that parents are asked to you know apply for and then suddenly there's this segregation that happens in who thinks what's a good school versus not a good school they just mm-hmm. look at scores that don't really tell the whole story mm-hmm. so uh, we know that at 826 because we're in there working with these brilliant mm-hmm. teachers right and who are short-staffed we don't have enough substitutes in the district right now right. things like that mm-hmm. make it a harder day uh, and a harder job to do and mm-hmm. then yes sadly it's hard to live in the city on a teacher salary. So mm-hmm. do we have oh, enough teachers man. staying and right. growing? That's yeah. that's another challenge. And the pandemic's only made it worse. I think yeah. we have hired three or four people in the last couple of years that came from teaching and just like, oh, wow. it just got Burns too out. difficult. Not mm-hmm. enough support, not enough funding, like like Keith is saying. So yeah, um, yeah, but but they need the help. I mean, a I lot mean, of what we do is just bringing bodies to teachers. That's like a big, mm-hmm. a big uh, help that we bring. As aside from all the beautiful writing that the students do, it's like mm-hmm. just getting people to be with the kids is really important. That was Kavita Loten and Byron Weiss from A Two Six Valencia. Check back next week for part two with Kavita and Byron. That episode drops next Tuesday. Music for Storied San Francisco was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. 
Michelle Kilfeather does original photography for us. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fifth season, we have more than 200 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're able to, please rate and review the show. And drop us a line at storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, weird, and healthy. And we'll see you next time on Storied San Francisco. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcasts.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.